Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Ron Placone. Before we get to Ron, here's a few announcements. First, TravelTalesPodcast.com is our website. You can go there. You can see photos of our guests. You can see links to their social media. You can read about them. You can see links to our social media. And that is, of course, TravelTalesPodcast.com, TravelTalesPodcast on Instagram, TravelTalesPod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page we have. Follow us there. There are links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify and iHeartRadio and basically anywhere you get your podcasts. There we are. Join up, subscribe. And as always, I ask that you please give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show by boosting our presence. And that's cool of you to do. If you think you'd be right for the show, maybe you know other people that might be right for the show. You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. You can write me just to ask travel questions, or you could write me just to say nice things. But TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com is where you do it. Well, hey, everybody. It's been a while since I had a fellow comedian on the show. Ron Placone is a guy who's lived in L.A. for about five years now, originally from Pittsburgh. Met him through my friend Graham Elwood, who's also been on the show a couple times. Ron and Graham tour together doing comedy shows quite often, but uh, they're big YouTubers. Ron has a show, Get Your News On with Ron, on YouTube, which is also a podcast. He tours around doing comedy. He's producing and starring in a film. And he and his wife are currently living in the beautiful seaside town of San Pedro, California, which is south of the city, down by Long Beach. And I got to say, I don't know anything about it. After living in L.A. for over 20 years, I know nothing about San Pedro. Just never was on my radar, but he loves it. So there you go. If you want to know more about Ron Placone, you can go to his website. That's the easiest place to do it, uh, to start at. It is ronplacone.com, R-O-N-P-L-A-C-O-N-E.com. And you can search for him on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and everything else. But we'll have links to all of it on traveltalespodcast.com. And though I've met and hung out with Ron a bunch of times... This interview was really the most I've talked to him in one full stretch. So it was kind of interesting to hear his story, how he actually lived in hostels for a while in the U.S. He studied overseas in Italy, lived in his car while doing comedy around the country for a little bit, and now he's getting restless again, which I can totally identify with. Anyway, I had fun catching up with him, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Here's my chat with Ron Placone. Ron, Com- oh Jesus, Ron Placone, how are you, buddy? I almost called you Capone, which is the weirdest. <laughs> you couldn't be less Al Capone. Couldn't be less. Well, you know, it's funny when sometimes people will uh, point out to me because I actually do speak Italian. They'll point out to me. They'll be like, "Well, you know, <laughs> it it is technically Placone," and I'm like, "Yeah, of course I know that, but but this is you know America, and people usually speak English." And as a comedian, I can tell you 
that uh, MCs and stuff like that. There's already been enough issues with Placone. If I went by Placone, it would be very difficult. And, and look, it, it, two syllables is it, just a lot easier when you're speaking English. There's a reason nobody called him Al Capone. So. Yeah. Do you know what part of Italy your family's from? So, well, now I have relatives kind of all over the place. Uh, some of them are in Bologna. Some of them are in Florence. And then some of them are on the Amalfi Coast. Um, originally, as far back as my roots go, it's like Avellino area, which is uh, near Naples. Okay. Have you ever been? I've been to Italy three times. I've actually never been to uh, Napoli, Naples, though. I've, I've never, the furthest south I've been is Sorrento. I, I got to get down to Sicily and stuff like that. It, it's crazy. Italy is not a very big country, but there is so much stuff to see. And also, whenever I go there, I'll tell you this, too. Every time I've been there, you know, getting into the travel tales, uh, every time I've been somebody else, it has been their first time. So every time I've been to I'm, I'm at the point now where every time I go to Italy, I just want to hit the spots I haven't been to yet. And I want to yeah. spend some beautiful, t- you know, see some beautiful beaches and spend time with my family. That's all I want to do. But I'm always with somebody Who's Ooh. got to see the Leaning Tower. They got to go to Rome and they got to exactly. go to Florence and Venice. Exactly, which I totally get. And, and, I, and I'm a good I'm a good trooper. But, you know, it, it kind of there's other things I'd rather be doing there. And, and it, it will probably be the case my next time because my wife has never been there before. No. And I'd imagine my next time in Italy will be with my wife. So, so I'm going to have to go through the motions again. <laughs> and and I, I think I'm at the point now where I'm just like, do you – do you need me to be in there with you for the Sistine Chapel? Like, it's yeah. amazing. You got to see it. But they're just it's just going to be a bunch of people telling yeah. us to be quiet for like however long we're in there. And it's freaking beautiful. But but after after the fourth spin, I've heard this record enough times. You know, yeah. I, I don't need to spin it all the time. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you need me in that gondola with you? I mean, seriously. <laughs> boat ride. A boat ride I'm always down for. That, that, that'll never get tired of. How about so? Have you ever gone with your family? Yeah, yeah, I went with okay. my family. I I went. So I was the first to go uh, over there out of my kind of immediate family, like other than grandparents and stuff like that. And I went with my university. I studied abroad for a summer semester, so I was the first person in my family to kind of reconnect with a lot of the cousins that we had not been in touch with for years. So it was really cool. And and at the time I was, you know, I mean, I was studying Italian. I, I still do speak it. I'm not fluent, but, uh, you know, I work at it, man. I, I, I use Duolingo every day. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I advance in the leagues, but uh, good for you. I'm That's not dedicated good. enough to pay for the app, but, but I, I put in my hours, you know? <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, that was really cool connecting with my family, um, over there. And, and this would have been when I was like 19 or 20. So. And for people who don't know Ron or haven't seen a photo, you look the least Italian person that I've ever seen. He's like ginger. I'm a ginger. I'm a ginger. <laughs> we do exist, but we're not super north. common. Way up well, north. Typically, yeah. Like typically up north. <laughs> I mean, my a lot of my roots are actually in the south, but I mean, there was probably some cross pollination. Oh, sure. Point, you know, I mean, I mean, the Sicily in those areas were invaded every other day at one point in time. So, you know, eventually you get some people that look like me. But, Some drunken Scotsman came over there, and right? Decided, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah. So, so it is. Ginger Italians are not totally unheard of, but but we're not the most common. 
Uh, <laughs> right. We're not what you kind of picture in your mind when you think of an Italian person. But. Right, right. So I remember you asking me uh, a couple months ago, because thank you for listening, by the way. You have been listening to the show. And there's been a lot of people talking about expats. Yeah. Uh, or I've interviewed a bunch of expats and a lot of people, a couple of them do expat services and stuff like that. Uh, is it something you're considering? And um, where would you go if you if you want to leave? Oh, that is a loaded question. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like we're all considering it a little bit. Right. I, no, full well, there's like a pre-COVID answer and then there's like a post-COVID answer and you know. Well, no kidding, right? Because, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you, Mike. I love my neighborhood. I live in the San Pedro neighborhood uh, in Los Angeles, and I love it here. I really do. I love it so much. But, you know, the other side of it, man, and we're, we're both, you know, in, in showbiz or whatever, <laughs> you know, you come out to Los Angeles and, you know, my, my buddy Daniel describes it this way when he's talking about New York. And I think this is really, uh, uh, you know, the best way I've heard it put you make a pact, you know, you make a pact that it's like, I'm going to deal with the horrible rent and the awful traffic. And, and granted, it's got its perks. You can't beat the weather. There's beautiful scenery. It's a city of the world. So there's all kinds of things available to you. It's got its perks, but it costs a hell of a lot of money. But you're making a pact because as somebody who wants to do something creative for a living for the rest of their freaking life, there are resources available here that aren't available almost anywhere else. It's kind of like New York, LA, London. Yeah, it's a small list. And as we are becoming such a global and digital village, even more so than before, but you know, and this was exacerbated because of the pandemic big time, that pact is, is sort of maybe decaying a little bit. And I wouldn't say it's gone, but it's changing. And you kind of have to ask yourself, if that pack doesn't really exist or if it does exist, but in a much more diminished way, can I justify staying here when I could go to somewhere like Italy and, and, and live in a beautiful, beautiful place, just as beautiful for less than half the money or, or go somewhere like Ireland. I, I mean, so I guess to answer your question, uh, the place I would consider first and foremost is somewhere in the EU. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Oh, me too. Yeah. So I, uh, how long have you been out here in L.A. area? And where did you, where are you from? I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Originally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I'm a Midwesterner, much like, you're from Chicago, right? Yeah. You call, wait a minute, you call Pittsburgh the Midwest? I don't know yeah. if I do. What, do you, what do you call it? I don't know. That's Appalachia, man. That's, that's it, a, it is. It those is, are yeah. hill people. Yeah. If you want to be super specific, yeah. It's like <laughs> Mid-Atlantic, Appalachia. But, but I, I feel like it's, culturally, I feel like it's kind of a Midwestern city because it's like, the big cities in PA, it's like you got Pittsburgh, you got Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. I love them both. I don't get involved it's in certainly... the rivalry. It's just where I'm from. But um, but they are very, very different. And Philadelphia is definitely a coastal style city. Oh yeah. Pittsburgh is definitely a, a Midwestern style city. Philadelphia, yeah. Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. First of all, for people who've never been, it's huge. Yeah. And you don't realize how big it is until you drive across it on I-80. Yeah, dude. And uh, yeah, the Western Pennsylvania is. Comp I mean, it's you're, that's really basically Ohio East. It, it is, and yeah, uh, it totally. Is. And Philly is, you know, Jersey. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, you're, at, you're at the coast in an hour. In, yeah. in Philly and and Pittsburgh. That is not the case. You know, no, you're in not at all. In an hour. <laughs> and you've been out in LA for how long? Five years. Five years. Okay. Yeah. So you you're like you got you're getting out. After five, you you want you're looking for a way out. I mean, that's not that very long. 
Because well, usually I, mean, I, 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 I find in like to the world. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. But I mean, these are odd circumstances. But I find that in like places like New York, L.A., Chicago, San Francisco, places where people have left to come and make it, you know, or in whatever field they're in or just to live mm-hmm. um, for opportunities and stuff. There's like a 20 year window, like a, like a time limit. You know, they come in their 20s and after about 20 years, unless you're killing it, Unless you're doing well and pretty established, um, you start looking around after 20 years and going, I think I've done it. Here, everything I needed sure. to do was, and you're going, I don't have to live this way anymore. You know, yeah. and that's when I'm finding a whole bunch of people that I went to New York with first. I moved to New York in 97. That they, they've been <laughs> slowly kind of moving out to like the country and, and, you know, that kind of thing. And then the pandemic really lit the, torch under them you know and that just pushed everyone anybody who was on the fence they're like okay that's it we're out well and so for me yeah part of it is a pandemic response i mean i i would love a solid reason to stay here you know what i mean but but it's like as i mean what if what if writers rooms just kind of stay remote indefinitely which is totally possible so I'm sure so you know i mean there's a lot of things where it's just like well you know, there's a lot of things where all I need is a strong internet connection. And, you know, you don't need that in LA. It's actually easier to get in other places to tell you the truth. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but I'd like a reason to stay here, a good one. Cause again, <laughs> I do love it here, but also the other side of that too. I mean, Mike, and, and this might be one of the, this is one of the reasons why I connect with a travel tales podcast. <laughs> um, I'm a bit of a restless dude when it comes to going around. This is the longest I have ever lived in one place in my adult life. Five years? Five years. Wow. I lived, so I finished college, and I, I went away to college. I wanted to get out of my hometown. And uh, I lived in Seattle. After college, I, I kind of hung around Bloomington, Indiana. I went to IU. I kind of hung around oh, okay. Bloomington for a little bit. That's a fun just, campus. It's a fun campus. It's a fun town. I love it there. And I hung out for a little bit, just kind of spent time with my friends. I uh, I graduated a semester early because I studied abroad one summer. So I kind of was just like, I'm just going to take it easy. Just just work some you know minimum wage job and just chill for a little bit, figure out what's next. And that's what I did until my lease was up. Then I moved out to Seattle. Um, I uh, spent three years there. That was really I really started comedy was Seattle. Um, and then I moved back to Pittsburgh cause I went to graduate school out there. I, I applied to schools mainly in Pittsburgh and Boston. Pittsburgh offered me funding. Boston didn't. So I moved back to Pittsburgh, lived in my hometown for two more years. By the time I graduated, I, I was ready. You know, I mean, I, I lived my entire childhood there and I spent some years, I was like, okay, so most of my life has been in this city. I, I want to explore more. Uh, moved to Nashville, Tennessee, because I started doing the road a lot. And Nashville was right in the middle of the country. And it was a cool city where I had a lot of friends. So I lived there for a couple years. Um, you know, thought I was going to be there the rest of my life because I was in a relationship. And she had a very solid job in Nashville. Um, that relationship uh, did not work out. We ended up breaking up. And so I thought, well, there's no reason for me not to kind of go to L.A. unless I want to just be on the road for the rest of my life. So I lived in my car for a little bit, just uh, doing road dates and trying to save up as much cash (laughs) as I could. And eventually I worked my way out to Los Angeles. Uh, I I know you do the road a fair amount yourself. So my last uh, my last road gig 
before I drove to my apartment, which was the first, well, I actually didn't have an apartment at the time. I, I drove without actually having a place. I was just kind of couch surfing with friends, but, um, I did the pine top, uh, Arizona casino. Okay. I was going to say, was it Flagstaff or uh, Vegas yeah, or it Phoenix? Or it was pine top. I, I did that casino run that, uh, I guess Barry Neal probably still books it. Yeah. But, I never uh, did that. Okay. Well, it, it, he has some casino run. You do, I think it's like two nights in Nevada and then two nights in Arizona. I don't even know if it still exists anymore. But I did that run, and then I drove out to L.A. I mean, I remember, like, as I was getting off stage, you know, it was like one of those tag team things. I brought up the headliner I was featuring, and I brought up the headliner, and he shook my hand. He said, good luck out there. And, uh, you know, and then I, you know, shortly after, I started my drive to L.A., and I've been here since. But it was everything in the car? Because I made that. I had everything in a Tercel when I came out here. I still have the photos of it, man. I lived out of my 98 Accord for a couple, <laughs> like not, well, no, about a year. It wasn't a couple of years, but it, it was about a year. I kind of lived out of that car. Um, it's harder than people realize. It's not. It doesn't sound pleasant. pleasant. No, it's not. And I had it down. I mean, I still have the picture where all my stuff is in this car. I even had a little, there was a little sort of like nest area that my cat made for herself. Uh, you had a cat, cat in there not, too? She did not spend the entire time with me. Uh, oh. She she was put in foster care with my parents for a little bit until I had a new residence. <laughs> um, but but she did spend some time with me, and and it was we had it down to a science. I would, you know, she had her little space that she liked. She like had this little nestle area that she made. We would stop, and I would put her litter box outside. She would run around. I'd feed her. She would go to the bathroom. Um, and then for gigs, and this didn't happen often, but occasionally it would happen. I would just stay outside with her till it was my turn to go on. Someone would come out and get me. They'd be like, you're going to go on. I would leave the window open for her and I would go out and do my set. And then as soon as I was done, I'd come back. Uh, you know, and she was fine. I mean, the windows were open. She's a cat. Like she, she just slept, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I would make sure she was good. I'd, I'd let her out. She'd use the bathroom and then we would, uh, go on our merry way. I'd collect my cash. And that was, uh, that was life for a little bit. Where were you sleeping at night? Where would you par- find a uh, safe place to park? Uh, I only slept in my car a handful of times, man, because it's like when you really do that life, like you'd be surprised how many. I mean, first of all, comics are always willing to lend a couch, you know, if you pay it forward. And, you know, I mean, that was my life in my in my 20s and, you know, early 30s or whatever. So, you know, I usually could find a couch in a lot of towns. I also had a lot of family scattered about, you know, my aunt had a house in Orlando, Florida. My, my cousin uh, lived in South Carolina. I had another cousin in uh, Baltimore. I had another cousin in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So it would, it would be this thing where I would just map myself. I, I had my family in Pittsburgh. I, you know, again, I went to Indiana University, so half my college buddies live in Chicago. The other half live in Indianapolis. Indianapolis and or Chicago is on the way to pretty much everywhere. So, I mean, I crashed with buddies in Chicago <laughs> so much they would forget I was even coming. Um, you know, and I, I took care of the dogs and I made dinner. And, uh, you know, I bought groceries. I I was a good guest. I'd like to think I was at least. I had other cousins in Michigan. So, dude, I had the Midwest (laughs) down pat. I always had a couch in Nashville because I just lived there. Right, right. And Seattle, if you ever go back. Why did you pick Seattle of of all those places to live after college? Why did just 
You like the music? Why, what, what, what inspired you? You know, I, I am a big uh, Nirvana guy, and, and I do love <laughs> a lot of that music. And, but the reason I picked it was because I, um, when I finished college, it kind of hit me. You know, speaking of travel, uh, I love to travel. And uh, I realized, I was like, you know, it's kind of weird that I have never seen the West Coast of my own country, but I have seen Europe. That's a little, you know, I've been to Italy, I've been to France, uh, you know, at the time, those are the other places I've been. But, but it was interesting to me that I'd been to Europe and I'd never been to the West Coast. My parents, uh, you know, we went on vacation a- as kids and stuff, and we went on a lot of nice vacations and stuff like that. But my parents were not big, like, they weren't big on let's see a city. They were more like, let's just go to the beach, which is totally cool. But I kind of had the itch to do all that stuff as, as I was growing up, you know. So I really wanted to see the West Coast. So I uh, took a plane to Seattle, and then I, and I stayed in hostels throughout the whole thing. And it was my first time staying in hostels in the states, which you know, because I a lot of people think that's only a thing in like Europe. It's not. It's totally in the states too. There's a whole subculture around it, and it's actually. Uh, you know, the last time I checked in, which has been a few years now, but it's a pretty cool thing. Um, but, uh, I stayed in Seattle. I went down to San Francisco. I went down to LA. That was my first time in LA and I went over to San Diego and then I went over to Vegas and then I flew back to, I mean, I was still in Indiana at the time. So I flew back to Indiana and, uh, you know, I just kind of saw the West Coast for the for a while. I really I liked Seattle. There was something about it that I just thought was really cool. And I just decided I, I was going to move there and just start the next chapter up there. <laughs> Did now this the hostile things like I've only stayed uh, at them overseas, like most people. Mm-hmm. I've only toured one. There's one here in Santa Monica, like downtown right off the promenade. It's pretty big. And I did a travel media tour there. They they were showing it off, and this was about I don't know three years ago, three four years ago. I was impressed with you know what it was, but I have heard the the rap on them is that, that in America the hostels tend to be not so nice, uh, or maybe uh, not so safe, and or in bad neighborhoods. What did you find? I mean, did you only stay in Adam in Seattle, or did you stay at hostels around the country? I have stayed in hostels. Well, I lived in one for a couple months in Nashville, Tennessee. You lived in one? I lived in one for three months. I did an internship in Nashville. Um, This was during college. I did an internship at a record label. The hostel was, it was called Music City Hostel. It's still around. I'm still friends with the guy who runs it. (laughs) Um, And they were doing monthly leases where you had like a private room and a shared common area. And it was, you know, cheaper than an apartment. And I, I loved youth hostels. So I was like, this sounds cool. I'm, I'm down for this. So, you know, I basically had like a dorm room more or less. But uh, I was sort of the American tour guide for Nashville. Because it was, it was one of those things, if you were in your early 20s and feeling no pain and didn't care, you could totally walk to downtown Nashville from there. Um, so we would do it. I mean, I would just hit the bars as many nights a week as I felt like it. <laughs> and I would just take people from all over the world. I have explained tipping to so many people. And, it's a and tough thing to explain to people around the world. They don't get it. You kind of realize how ridiculous it is. Oh, like, it is. Like our, our system is so freaking ridiculous. But yes, <laughs> I, I have explained it to so many people. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. I mean, I, a bartender had a better night thanks to that because some people, they honestly just don't know. No, and if you've waited tables and tended bar like I have, I mean, you get stiffed 
And sometimes, you know, they, they literally don't know that they, they, they should leave know. something. And some do know, and they're just not doing They play it up. <laughs> you know, they're playing yeah. dumb. You know, they're just walking out. But, yeah, it's a tough thing. You know, I wanted to make – that's a good idea. I wanted to make a um, – like a video, like a YouTube video of just explaining, going to a bar and going, okay, if you order your first drink, tip a little heavier, you know, for the round, and then that'll make the guy see you more. <laughs> just had all these tricks That's that you a would. Good idea, because yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I make sure they people. see you leave the tip. Make sure yeah. they see you leave the tip, and don't just leave it and walk away. You know, there's all these crazy things that you can't explain to people, but it, I can see how it's very confusing because everywhere they go, the minute they get off the plane. Someone's got their hand out, and they you and you don't think about it because we're so used to it. Right. But okay, a guy helps you with your bags at the airport. Okay, do I give him something? Okay, you get in your hotel. Another guy checks you in, and and there's a guy who brings your bags to your room. Okay, I got to give him something. Right. Now we go eat. Now I got to give. I ordered just a water. Do I tip that guy? They they don't know. They they're clueless. And yeah. every the doorman who flags the cab. Oh, are we supposed to get? You know, it's. And I thought about it. Yeah, that's got to be pretty overwhelming. Yeah, totally, man. So, yeah, I, I lived in one. I have only in the States. And honestly, I would say overall, overall in the world, I've only had two bad experiences. Okay. And one of them was in the States. In, in Nashville? Um, no, it was in uh, my bad experience in the States was in San Diego. There's this uh, hostel in San Diego. It's still around, actually. But there was this hostel in San Diego and part of it was the hostel itself. Part of it was my circumstance. So I was in San Diego and I was staying at this hostel on Pack Beach and uh, I fell asleep on the beach, which uh, when you're a ginger, that's something you don't do. But I had a, I had a beautiful taco lunch. It was delicious. And I fell asleep with my shirt off on my oh. stomach. Uh, and I woke up a couple hours later and I remember I woke up and I felt like there was just like a series of needles in my back. Like I felt it right away. And I'm, I was like, oh boy. And I stood up and the moment I stood up, it, it was like something out of a movie. I stand up and this woman walking by like shrieks. She yells <laughs> at the sight of my, of my, <laughs> my gristled back. And I just turn around like some, like some, some pale alien, not meant for the sun. And, 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 Are you and all I, right? Yeah. Are like you? I just, I, she, she, well, she was almost offended by my presence. That's how freaking bad it was. She shrieked and I, I turned back and I'm like, is it bad? And she's like, you might need a hospital. And I'm like, all right, take it easy. Uh, okay. So I, uh, I go back to the hostel and it was totally just a surfer's bungalow hostel. So it was super dirty. There were 12 beds to a room oh. and, and people were not very nice or friendly there. Like they were kind of nickel and diamond. Yeah. Not happy to see you. It was sort of like, uh, you know, if you're not here to drink or party, we, we don't really want to talk to you. And, and it's kind of like we're judging you as soon as you walk in here. Um, it was that type of a hostel, which isn't common in my experience. And um, the fact that there was 11 other people going in and out of this bunk and they had just got done surfing. So it was just like wet. Like I and I was trying to sleep because I, I was sick. I, I got like sun poisoning, basically. <laughs> So I'm like trying to sleep and these people will walk in and be like, that was a gnarly wave. And then I get hit in the <laughs> face with like some ocean water. And I'm like almost like delirious too. like, like at one point I like didn't remember where I was exactly. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm in this hell hostel. Um, and I remember for some reason, well, I guess it's an obvious reason. It's like, it's cool and refreshing, but 
when I felt good enough to just walk around, I, I still couldn't fathom the idea of eating something, but I wanted ice cream. I, I was just like, I just want ice cream. And I swear to God, dude, I cannot find ice cream anywhere. I'm like, dude, it's a beach boardwalk. And and I walked into I, I walked into a Burger King. That's how desperate I was. And I was like, they gotta have a slushy or something. Their ice cream machine was broken. I'm like, you gotta be really? I walk into a, a McDonald's ice cream machine broken. I shit you not. Something yeah. was going on in San Diego or the world was just messing with me. <laughs> Two broken ice cream machines. I never got ice cream that night. And that was oh, no. all I wanted to soothe my pain. But, um, you know, I had a bad experience there and I had a bad experience at, at this one hostel I stayed in in Rome. Um, they just weren't very nice. And uh, the guy kind of insulted myself and my girlfriend, oh. uh, not knowing that I understood what he said. Uh, that it, he said it in Italian, and I knew what he said. So. I always wanted to bust people that way. Like, that's why I want to get my Spanish better just for that. To yeah. bust people on an elevator talking about me. <laughs> well, I almost went up to him, and I was going to say, I speak Italian, asshole. You know, like, because, I, I, you know, I know, you know, Palo Italiano stones, like, I know how to say that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I didn't. I was like, you know, whatever. We're staying here for just a night or two. I don't want to, you know, I just let it go, but. But it wasn't a good experience. <laughs> but never any theft or um, some guys uh, coming in at, at four in the morning playing uh, German house music at the from a rave? No. Okay. None of that. I, the only thing even remotely close to that, and, you know, it, it, was, it was solved immediately. And there were people, there was, I was in a, I think it was like maybe like a six or eight person bunk you know and, and it was co-ed and uh you know i was traveling with a girlfriend at the time and at one point in the night this girl yelled and it was because this guy you know allegedly he accidentally got in the wrong bunk mm. um and and he was super apologetic like like he like apologized a bunch of times and then he went into his bed right away and there was no other issues uh ever so you know I, i'm gonna I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say it was an honest mistake. Um, you know, but, but that's like the only thing I've ever witnessed that was close to anything. I, I've never had anything stolen from me personally, you know. So you've done tons of solo travel in the U.S., but have you done some overseas? Because you always seem to be with a girl who wants to see the sights. <laughs> <laughs> have you done like solo backpacking or any of that stuff? Well, I've done a, I'll, usually I'd be with like somebody because I mean, you know, my first experience backpacking was when I was studying abroad on the weekends. We would all travel to different places. Oh, so yeah. We glossed over that. Where did you go? I went to Florence. Oh, that's is, where you studied. Yeah, that's where I studied. And, okay. and then, of course, I found out I had family there and I connected with them and I found out, you know, I didn't know what they did. I found out they had a hotel. Well, they still do. They have it. They have a hotel in the heart of Florence. That's that was, nice. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I mean, I I could have could have moved out there, Mike. And, <laughs> and sometimes I think about that. You know, um, you, you I, maybe I could, could still. I, I still could, but but I they offer. I mean, they they literally just offered. They said, you know, this was when I was in my early twenties. I just finished school, and they said, look, why don't you move out here? You can learn Italian properly. You can go to school. You'll work for us. We'll give you a stipend. On the weekends, you can see anywhere you want to see. We'll give you you know, plenty of time off to travel. Um, what do you say? And I didn't do it 
because at the time I really wanted to do comedy and I realized that that wouldn't really be possible. You know, I mean, I, I was like just getting started, like open micer, and I yeah, knew yeah. that to get good at it, you needed to get up, you know, <laughs> at least a couple times a week at the very least to, to really learn how to do it and to be good at it. And I knew that wasn't really possible in Florence. I, I mean, I would have had to like flown to England or something every single time. Now, here's the interesting thing, man. Because just in like the short, you know, like, just, well, I guess it hasn't been super short. It's been over 10 years now. But just in the time that I've started compared to now, even though what I just described would still be very difficult. It would be very difficult to start an English-speaking stand-up comedy pursuit in Florence, Italy. That would not be easy. No. But it would not be as difficult as it would have been when I was in my early 20s and that offer was made no, to me. It's I believe, easier yeah. now. There, believe there's, there's, me, I've yeah. seen stand-up all over the, the world, actually. It, yeah. you know, it's almost like in it's TV around in a, like South America and in Europe and stuff like that. It's almost like in the 80s here, there's this boom. Yeah, because they realize it's such cheap programming. Yeah, you know, dude, you, you, I mean, you don't pay writers, you don't have to do anything. You just set up a, a few cameras in a club and just tape these guys or in a studio, and uh, it's everywhere. It's booming. And I, you know, I went to an English comedy night in Germany. Mm-hmm. I've been to one in Israel. I've been to um, there was a comedy night that I saw in Buenos Aires. It was in Spanish, but. Still, I mean, it's it's everywhere, and it goes by the name stand up, too. Yeah. It's, they use the English term stand up. I mean, they know exactly what it, it's a kind of universal term now. It's pretty right. odd. So you could do it there. The problem is that you you may have to run your own room, and right. it, it might be a one once a month kind of thing, a, a monthly English comedy night. But there's enough expats there, and certainly that now. But that Florence offer <laughs> from your family. Sounds pretty damn good right now. You were describing no kidding, it. I'm man. going, hey. No kidding. Is and, that and offer I, still available? I honestly, I'd like to think that if I was 22 now and that same <laughs> offer was made to me, I would have done it because I, I think I would have looked around and I would have been like, I ain't missing anything in this place. Plus, and, you, you could do YouTube from anywhere. And you do YouTube from anywhere. Yeah. And, and again, like it wouldn't be, it would still be hard because like, keep in mind, I mean, this is like, I'm just starting out. You want to get on stage as much as you can. Oh yeah. Yeah. It would still be, but now there is an English speaking club in Milan. There is an English speaking club in Rome. Uh, I would be able to start something with the help of those people. Hey, I want to get something started in Florence. Okay, cool. So I would still have that. You can still take an overnight train to London and, and stay for a little while. And so it is possible. Is it super easy? No, it wouldn't be the easiest place to start, but you could do it. And eventually you would get good enough where you would, you know, you'd be doing Edinburgh every year, stuff like that. Like it's <laughs> possible to do it, which is a pretty cool thing. And and so I'd like to think that if that same offer was made to me now, I would do it. But, you know, I mean, my wife and I may head out there. Who knows? You know, did um, you look into like your heritage and uh, citizenship because of, I don't know, is your grandfather off the boat or was he, how, how far back do you got to go for Italian citizenship? In Italy, it's actually, you can go as long as you have the right documentation and as long as Italy was Italy, which I think is 1861, maybe, oh, wow. um, I want to say, uh, you can go that far back. Not all countries are like that. I think Italy is one. I think Ireland is like that or similar. And I think Croatia might be. 
Um, so that's pretty much every Italian in America. You know, they all came in the late 1800s and early 1900s pretty much. So that would cover just about everybody. It would cover most of us. So yeah, I mean, most Italian Americans, you qualify. Um, but there's, uh, and I do, I, I did the research. I qualify. Um, there are some stipulations like, like just weird. Like if you like say your relative renounced or, or denounced or whatever their citizenship that changes. And, and it's also the way it works. And I, I won't go into like all the nitty gritty, but like the way it works is how their laws work is if an Italian citizen has a child, that child is by right an Italian citizen. Um, so as long as, you know, like my grandmother was born on American soil, but when she was born, my, my great grandparents, her parents were Italian citizens and they were emigrating to America. They had not naturalized yet. They were still Italian citizens. So by right, she was an Italian citizen, never filed the paperwork, but she was an Italian citizen. So she passed that on to my mom who passed it on to me. Okay. Yeah. The, the, um, it's tough with you know, with the EU right now, and every every country's got their own rules. I mean, I've mm. talked to a lot of people. Uh, you know, Portugal's really popular right now, but uh, they're raising their limits on things like a golden visa and stuff because it's really been uh, found out. You know, especially yeah, by I mean, people well, like the some... Chinese. You know, the oh. Chinese were, are, are buying a lot of these golden visas, which is basically you just invest a certain amount in the country and you get the equivalent of a, of a green card basically. Yeah. And well, so that's just buy, right? Yeah. I mean, if you've got money, I mean, they yeah. do the same thing here. I mean, the limit here is like over a million dollars, but that's one of the reasons why they're buying up property all up along the West coast. And, you know, the Russians do it more, more on the East coast and in Florida and things like that. But if you, you can buy it in property, you can invest in a business to a certain amount. There's certain funds you can invest in and, and a lot of people want to go to Italy, but it's just, I think it's a little more expensive and a little more um, paperwork, a little more of a hassle. You know, there's well, a lot of bureaucracy. <laughs> and there Italy is. doesn't really make things easy for you a they lot of the don't. time. They don't. And they're also, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I do have a relationship with the, uh, Itali- the Little Italy Association here in L.A. because San Pedro is uh, L.A.'s Little Italy. Is it so really? I didn't know it that. Is. It, it was, it was, I think it was designated officially in 2019. But, yeah, because of the harbor, there's a lot of uh, – Oh. There, there's always been a lot of Italian immigrants in this neighborhood. There's, there's always been a lot of everything. It's just, you know, a lot of the Italian immigrants, this is, you know, Pedro's where they opened up a lot of their restaurants and stuff like that. So it's it's like, you know, you walk around downtown Pedro and, and you see, you know, four or five Italian restaurants and pizza places and they're all quite good. Uh, so, you so know, that's where the good pizza is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in L.A. Well, I mean, well, it's funny. Everyone always asks that question. And I've gotten used to whenever I see it on Facebook. I just write San Pedro. Uh, but uh, and, and I'll stand by it, man. We got good. All right. Out here. I'll take but, you up uh, on that. Come on out, dude. I'll show you around. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So the Little Italy Association, they're really big on that. There's even um, it's funny There there was even a festival and it was in it, it split its time between downtown Pedro and Hollywood. But there's this organization that is committed to um, production between Italy and L.A. They have an office in, I, I think it's Trevino, Italy, 
and here in LA and, and what they're trying to foster is, is just like production agreements and, and making films and, and, and content between Italy and, and Los Angeles. So, you know, I emailed them and I said, I would like to be friends with you guys and know what you're up to. Uh, <laughs> so, and another thing that Italy is doing, like, you know, this conversation I was having recently with someone from that organization, they're becoming self-aware of, of how it's, they don't make it as easy as a lot of other countries do. And because of that, I mean, they make it easier than some, don't get me wrong, but, but there's a lot of other EU countries. Portugal is a great example. Um, you know, and then other uh, Sweden, you know, they, they make it easier. Uh, Austria, I mean, making a film in Austria, is like, like the cultural center will, you know, give you money. If you just mention Austria and stuff like that, you hear, you hear stories like that. Uh, Italy's not as easy with that. And I think they're becoming aware of it and they realize how many people, especially in the United States, are, are really proud of their Italian heritage and want to embrace it more. But Italy doesn't make it easy for them. So I think they are trying to change that. And uh, so one of the other things they're doing is there are those towns in Italy that their population is declining age wise. So what they've done, and this is attractive for people who have podcasts or YouTube shows or, you know, like, like basically any type of digital nomads is, is the official phrase they put on it. And I'm sure you've, you've interviewed some of some oh, many nomad people. Yeah, yes, that's so, a new kind of visa that's out there. For it's people. a new kind of visa. And I, and I know Portugal has that really specific one, like the D7 or whatever. And what Italy's doing, and, and I'm sure some other countries are doing it, too. They, some of these villages, they've just set themselves up with killer broadband like and, and they call it over there they refer to it as smart working um and and the history behind it actually my buddy who is an expat he he met um he was actually in florence the same time i was when we were in college and he met a girl and mm -hmm. uh they have three kids now and they're married uh so he he never left and uh uh he was telling me he's like yeah we didn't there was no italian like word for work from home because it was just such a foreign <laughs> yeah. concept like it's just not something you know like because they don't have they don't have like a crushing work life over the, you know like like they work to live over there they don't live yeah. to work and i i know i listen to your podcast so i don't appreciate the choir but like <laughs> you know so so they didn't really they would never take their work home with them in the first place. So it's like when I'm in the office, I do my thing and then I go home and I'm yes. home, you know? So they didn't have that concept there. So they, they started calling it smart working when the pandemic hit and people had to work for, but they were, they were like, it's, it's smart working. We're going to call it that. So when they say we're wired for smart working, that means they have really, really good broadband. And if you just make your living online, they want you to come live there. Um, and they're giving people incentives like they're paying your rent or part of it, at least. Um, if you make if you start some kind of business, no, I don't know what qualifies. I might be like, how about a podcast studio? And they might be like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that. That's a little <laughs> too niche, buddy. But um, but if you start a business, say like an Airbnb or not an Airbnb, but like a, a bed and breakfast or a, a hostel, even they'll give you money. They'll, they'll give you 150 euro potentially. So, or 150,000, excuse me, not 150, you know, I mean, even that's nice, but 150,000, that, that's a little, a little more substantial, I'd say. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting what's out there, man. And when you see the direction the world's going in, it, it's, um, you know, it's something I've, I've 
I, I kind of keep an eye on. I, I really do. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I actually heard, I forget the gentleman who said it, but it was someone on your podcast and I forget his name, but it was a guy. He started some kind of travel business in Mexico. Uh, I don't know if that's ringing a bell. Maybe that was Travis King, maybe. Maybe I, I can't if I if I saw the episode notes again, I remember. <laughs> but but um, but he said something where he's just like, man, no one. And, and he's he's a millennial like myself. And and he said no one ever really said or emphasizes that, hey, maybe we should do something different. I don't know if you remember when he said that, but it was it, it, what he said was he put it much better than I am right now. But but, it, <laughs> but, but like the 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 theme of it was. No one ever emphasizes, hey, maybe, maybe just getting a job and, and, and having a white picket fence and, and you know, like, like having a house. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to do that, do you. There's no problem with that. But maybe if, if you have other goals or other ideas and it involves getting out of your hometown and going somewhere else in the world, that's okay. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the cards we've been dealt. That's the world we're living in. And, you know, in a way, it's kind of like you're making lemonades out of lemons. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that travel gave me first and foremost when I left, you know, when I was 21 for the first time and and went out of it. It was just like, oh, there's there's other ways to live, mm-hmm. you know, and we're just so not conditioned for it. I mean, maybe now uh, you and I wouldn't really grow up with the Internet and seeing everything. I couldn't log on to travel blogs with people my own age going all over the place, and I didn't know... It wasn't until I met people in hostels and stuff like that and realized, oh, wait a minute, you're traveling around the world for a year? He's, you know, some Australian or whatever. He's like, yeah, you can do that? It's just like, yeah, it's, it's, you can too. I was like, oh, I guess I, I guess I can. I didn't know. I thought I was going to go to college and then get a job. And that was it. And then that just kind of blew my head off. And, and oh, there's a lot of ways to live in the world. And it, we're not... Locked in. The problem is in America. I think you get when you try to question it, you're you're accused of being, quote unquote, un-American. And what's wrong with you? You're supposed to want this stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, well, I mean, it's going to look a little different. But I think now that if you we wanted to be TV, be on TV, you know, mm. in this business, and you talk to a lot of younger people, I think they certainly like my niece and nephew and stuff. They want to be YouTubers. Right. They couldn't yeah, care yeah. less about network TV or anything like that. Yeah, and you can do that from anywhere. Yeah. Now, granted, I mean, you know, and and I, you know, I'm, I mean, I do a fair amount of stuff on YouTube, and, and being here in LA has helped me with that because yeah. it's connected me to a lot of other people. So there's still something to be said. I mean, even if you're dominantly doing stuff online, there's still something to be said for being in LA or yeah. New York versus somewhere and else. Cities. But, but it but it's not mandatory. If anything, it does, I mean, certainly for younger people, that's where the other single people are. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. so for just like dating possibilities, I mean, yeah, people will, uh, young people will always go to cities. If anything, just totally. to reinvent themselves and just get out of where, wherever they're from. Hmm. So cities will always have an appeal like that. And also have more opportunities and work. I mean, they just will. So, right. I mean, th- th- there's always a market for cities, but it doesn't, you know, there's a price for it, you know, and when you see how steep the price is, sometimes, you know, cities for people who are going to start families, it's going to be a hard sell to stick around. You're really going to need to have to stick around before, you know, the, the pandemic showed that to a lot of people. It's like, 
more people pandemic. are going to start home. They're going to stay homeschooling. They yeah. are. I mean, they're well, just. Well, that is one thing, man. And and I, you know, it's it's funny you asked me about like, oh, would I ever be an expat? And and yeah, I mean, it's certainly a possibility. But the one thing, it's interesting. My wife and I are undecided on children. We don't know if we want to go that route. I, I we're leaning no, but we're not. I mean, yeah, something might change our minds. You know, who knows? But the one thing we are both decided on is if we decide to go that route we're out yeah <laughs> i mean i mean honestly and, and i feel bad saying that it, it hurts my heart that i feel that way that i would not want to raise a kid in the only home i've ever known but i wouldn't i i would i would you know because my attitude towards it and, and you know this is just my perspective i'm not judging anybody else or saying anyone else is right or wrong but my perspective is, you know, if I ever populated this planet, I would want to give that person as good of a chance or better than I had. And I feel like the only way to do that right now in the world we're living in right now would be in a different country mm. where, where they had more available to them. And, <laughs> you know, if, if I could go to the EU, live somewhere in the EU... I, I think that would just be an infinitely better opportunity for them. Have you ever been enticed by one of those deals that you see of uh, buy a house in these old castle towns in Italy for a dollar? Yes, dude. Big, <laughs> I, I have uh, the phone number of somebody who's done it and is tight with their landlord or not landlord. Um, they're the real estate person who specializes in that stuff. Now, the deal is usually they need a lot of work, right? You got to build a lot of work and they need to get it up to code. But you know what the average thing is when all is said and done? About 25 grand. That's not even a down payment in Los Angeles. <laughs> no, that's no true. it's also not change I got in my couch right. cushion either, Mike. But, but <laughs> what did he like, say about the, the other problem is just the, const the time it takes, the construction thing. It can be really frustrating getting workers getting materials, getting it well, done. And, and you're going up against the clock because you only have, I mean, you have to get it done in a certain amount of time. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm sure it's not a picnic. I'm sure it's got its, um, yeah. you know, it's got its struggles. But when you compare it to something like, you know, the, the, ridiculous real estate market of Southern California. Well, yeah, this is, and, and, and you look at those choices, you kind of think, gee, I mean, I could invest in something out there, you know, get it up to code when I need to, then it is, it is mine. I mean, my parents could retire there. My, you know, it could be a, a family <laughs> thing. We could, we could Airbnb it out, you know, and, and keep in mind, I also do have family over there. So I have people who live over there who obviously speak the language, who obviously has a huge network. I mean, my one cousin, he, he uh right now he runs his own ironically enough he runs his own travel agency i should get him on your show yeah i should sure, get him absolutely on show. his his english is good enough. he'd be a fine guest you know his he's, he's fluent in english uh i'll uh i'll make that connection man because he, he'd be a great <laughs> guest for you but um but before that he was involved in this super cool i've never been but uh i would see his pictures on facebook this really nice nightclub on the Amalfi Coast. So he knows people in film. He knows movie stars. He know he knows all these people. Uh, I so, you know, and he knows real estate people. Yeah. And I will say in a lot of those uh, countries, especially in a place like Italy, uh, where a lot of people, uh, you know, 
it's a generalization to say, but everybody knows everybody else. Like the locals know each other. And they also know that you're not a local. <laughs> and so in doing business, especially as an American, uh, when you talk about like you have to do construction on these houses and they know you're on the clock, you know, they just rake you over the coals, over like, you know, overcharge you and everything like that. And, you know, it's just the way kind well, of business is done. And having, having a local in, you know, who knows people who can kind of maneuver through that and talk to the quote unquote building inspector and <laughs> get things moving in, in a yeah, way yeah. that, you know, an outsider no, totally just can't, bad. you know, it, you got it. It helps to know a guy. It is what I'm saying there. Totally. And, and Italy does not have the greatest rep out of all those, out of all the EU countries, Italy does not have the greatest of the greatest reputation as to how welcoming they are, um, you know, to, to, uh, to foreigners and, and even just how warm they are to tourists. And, and, and I get some of it. I mean, I've been to other countries and, and, you know, I, I totally get some of that. Now, the thing about Italy, and, and I think this speaks for a lot of places as well. If you make just the most basic effort, to speak the language, even if, you know, and it's just basically, hey, can I get a table for four? Untavalo per quattro. Was that that hard? You couldn't have looked that up. <laughs> like, like you couldn't. And if you just make that minute small effort that anybody with a freaking smartphone or even just, you know, looking up stuff in a book ahead of time, uh, it makes all the difference. You know, uh, they appreciate that very much. Oh yeah. Um, but when you don't even make the smallest effort, they can get a bit uh, irritated by that, and I I get it. You know, I mean, I mean, make make the most basic of efforts to speak the language. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you're, you're a guest. You're visiting. <clears throat> well, they they have a double edged sword there in the way that their population is aging, their birth sure. rate has really gone down, sure. and their their economies are not doing well. You know, right. they're, they're lagging behind the, certainly the rest of Europe, a lot of Europe, not the rest of it, but, you know, Greece. There's always Greece and Spain. And it's like the southern Italy are really kind of, you know, not keeping up with like the Germanys and the, and the Nordic countries. That's so the way it's, it's always been, Mike. I mean, it's I mean, always that's why, been. That's why most Italian Americans, uh, their roots are in the south. And that's because, well, in the north, everybody was freaking rich. I mean, that goes back to like the Medici family in the Renaissance. Oh, certainly. The, you know, I mean, nobody, like everyone's from, why would you Everybody's from Italy Sicily. Go, yeah, they're all from Sicily. They're all from like Avalito. They're all from the south <laughs> because that was the poor, oppressed area. Why would you, have you, we've been to Italy. It's freaking beautiful. Why yeah. would you leave Italy and go to Ohio? <laughs> because your other option was starving. That's why. <laughs> right. And I didn't realize that a lot of the um, Italian food that we know as Italian food is really Southern Italian yeah, and Sicilian. Those heavy yeah. red sauces and things like that. I remember going to a wedding in Sicily and there was some Northern Italians there. And I would ask them, what, hey, what's the name of this dish? And, and they would go, I don't know. We don't eat that shit. <laughs> Yeah, it, well, it's like, peasant- that's southern shit. They're like the rednecks of like Italy, you know. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's considered peasant food. I mean, even like, I mean, one of my favorite dishes in the world is just like um, aiolio. I like mm. aioli olio, which is just literally oil and garlic. It is, it is rom. It is their equivalent to ramen noodles. Like that's what it is. But it, but it's one of my favorite. And, and a lot of people in Italy love it too. You know, it's it's a comfort food. Oh but sure, it's it's a it's considered you know like a peasant food. Like that's what like you wouldn't serve that 
to, to people who were coming over for dinner or something like that. <laughs> Meanwhile, here in the United States, you know, you'll see it at a Paid restaurant. $30 like, a plate for it's it. It's like 30 bucks. And you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, that's a cool story. Right. <laughs> so where else do you want to go that you haven't been? What's a, oh, like a dream yeah. destinations for you? There is such a long list. Well, you know, I, uh, I got married a week before the world shut down. I was, uh, yeah, we got it in right under the gun, which means we didn't get the honeymoon in. Oh. So, uh, so we're still banking on a trip to Thailand and Vietnam. That's where we wanted to go for our honeymoon, and we're still trying to get that done. Um, Croatia, never been. I want to get to Croatia. It's great. Um, You'd love it. There's a lot of places I really want to go to tour. I mean, I decided, you know, especially in light of the pandemic, I decided I really want to start touring the world harder. In fact, here's another fun uh, little aside about hostels. When Graham and I toured Australia, um, you know, Graham had been to Australia before, but I had not. Uh, Graham Elwood, comedian, mutual friend of ours. Yeah. Um, So for me, it was the first time. So, you know, sometimes we would just kind of go off and, and do our own thing because I, I wanted to see a lot of stuff and he just wanted to go, you know, surfing. So <laughs> when we were in Sydney in particular, he got this little bungalow in uh, Bondi Beach. Um, and I, I was like, you know what, man, I think I'm just going to like hostel it up. And I did. I, I stayed in a youth hostel in the heart of Sydney and I had a great freaking time, dude. <laughs> I had, I mean, you know, I'm a little, I'm not 20 anymore, you know, but I love, I still love hostels. I still love the culture of it. I love, and, and not at, I mean, you got to do your homework and you got to do your research because some of them, they really are meant for everybody. Some of them, eh, yeah, maybe they are a little sketchy. But the one I was at was awesome. And and there was, I mean, there were people older than me. There were people younger than me. I mean, it, you saw a little bit of everything. Uh, but everybody was young at heart, you know, and, and everybody was just there. They embraced it and they were just there for, it's part of the experience, you know, like, like it's part of the culture of the place is being around other people from all over the world who, what do they have all have in common? They want to experience this place. And, and I really, you know, I really feed off that energy. And, and I felt a little weird. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm just like a 30 something by myself, you know, <laughs> but you know, I, I met some people. I, I, I got some beers with some folks. I hung out, you know, it was great. Was there something about Australia that surprised you that you didn't expect? I was not expecting it to be as Americanized as it was. Uh, it was described to me, and I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but it was described to me as like if if California and England had a baby. Um, but uh, I, I kind of agree with that to an extent. But I feel like they they got way too many of California's features. I wish, yeah. I wish I saw a little more England in that face. But um, yeah. But yeah. So <clears throat> I, I was surprised at how Americanized it was. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough. It's like uh, that's the one downside I had of it. It's just not. Enough of a culture shock, you know. Both the both yeah. countries are about the same age. Anything older than a couple hundred years was aborigine, and it's been kind of wiped out. So there's no like, it's not like touring Europe where you see like a thousand year old castle somewhere. There's nothing. I mean, there's <laughs> it's yeah. still there's no real old. Some in downtown Sydney and in Melbourne, you see some older kind of Victorian style buildings and and some things that may go back a couple hundred years to the 1700s. Mm-hmm. You know, one cobblestone street or something in Sydney, you know, by the harbor. Uh, but it's really, yeah, there's just culturally, 
it, there's just not much different. And that, that was the only kind of drag. But the one yeah. thing that way, there was no, there's just how la- the lack of people. I mean, there's just nobody. I mean, there's a whole continent and there's what, 23 million people in it? There's just yeah, nobody there. And they're all in a handful of cities. And then yeah. in between, there's just like basically the equivalent of flying to LA and New York. Like you're flying a- across like just nothing. nothing. It's just big, vast you know, <laughs> land and, and maybe yeah. a couple oil towns here and there. And that's it. it it's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, a buddy of mine who is from the U.S. and lives over there now, he described it. He said, we drive on the other side of the road and I drink tea more often. That's it. Yeah. He's like, like that is it. <laughs> is he in Sydney or? He's in Melbourne. Okay. Yeah, well, those are great. Yeah, Sydney and Melbourne are like San Francisco and, and LA. LA. Yeah, exactly. And if you're going to find diversity, it's usually in those two cities sure and yeah. uh and maybe brisbane a little bit and adelaide but really it's 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 pretty white man yeah <laughs> it's, i i love that now brisbane we actually didn't get to we did um adelaide sydney melbourne and perth okay and i never made it to perth I mean, we, we spent time in all these places perth was so freaking neat man perth you are truly in the literal sense on the edge of the world and you feel it like it's the just, most remote city in the world, I believe. They say. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and it's just, I mean, it's freaking beautiful, and you, you just feel it. Like you just feel like, like you're just like, yeah, we're just kind of out here, and we're like, like it's a long way from anything else, and it, it's really neat out there. I enjoyed yeah. Perth a lot. I mean, I enjoyed all the places a, a lot, but Perth was it was a special experience. It's like if San Diego was surrounded by nothing for yeah. 8,000 miles each way yeah, <laughs> or 3,000 miles each way. You feel it. it it's cool. <laughs> That's cool. How do were the crowds? Fun. I, I mean, they were so appreciative that you made the trip. They realize how far they are and, and they, they were just so stoked that, that you made it. And they, I mean, <laughs> somebody, this woman who, did not understand. I don't think she knows hockey at all, but she, she said, Ron, I, I don't know why you would like this, but I know you will. So I'm going to give it to you. And it was a stuffed penguin. Cause I, <laughs> cause I like the penguins. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. That's so nice of her. Yeah, it was, it was cool. And, and yeah, so yeah, people were really, I mean, someone taught me how to eat Vegemite. It was, it was great. Oh, it's a tough, it's nasty, isn't it? Vegemite is nasty. I'm sorry. I know you love it, Aussies out there, but Vegemite is a tough... Well, when I tried to do it myself, it was one of the most disgusting experiences of my life. (laughs) But when someone did it for me and showed me, I was like, oh, yeah, this is... Okay, I get it. What's the secret? What's the key to make it? The secret is you you mix it with butter and you don't use a lot of it and you put it on toast. Okay, so you barely have it. It's almost like a butter accessory. (laughs) That's how they did it, and it tasted great. I was like, "Oh!" But when I tried to do it myself, I, I was like, "I, I'm just eating bugs with salt on them. <laughs> what is this?" And, and yeah, so I, I think I think there is a method to it. I, I wouldn't trust me to do it myself, but but if someone, <laughs> if if a native Australian was like, "Let me do it for you," I would trust them, and I'd probably enjoy it. Well, it's great that you guys got. Uh, fans of there you know, that would come to see you all the way around the world. So tell people now about your, your show and where they can find it and just give me the, give them the nutshell of what it's about and what they can hear. 
Yeah. Uh, so you can, first of all, you can find me on social media. I'm at Ron Placone on all the socials. I'm Ron Placone on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on TikTok now. I'm still figuring TikTok out, but I am on there. If you want to follow me on there, just, <laughs> I don't know I'm, anything I'm very about new to it, but uh, Twitter is, is my main one. And then I'm, I'm on Instagram too. Um, my, uh, I have a podcast called get your news on with Ron. You can find that on YouTube. You can find that on Rockfin or wherever you get your podcast. It's available as an audio podcast too. And that's a show where each week I kind of go through the news that I feel is important to go through. And, and that includes, uh, you know, I'm really passionate about digital rights, uh, net neutrality, municipal broadband Internet, which is city owned Internet, which other, you know, some places in the United States have. And it's uh, it's hugely beneficial for them because people get better Internet at a better price. Uh, I talk a lot about strikes and and protests and climate change. So, so it's kind of it's news that you know, the larger news media generally ignores, but that I think is very important. Um, so that's my show. And I also do an interview portion each week where I just kind of interview somebody. And sometimes it's about uh, issues in the world. Other times it's just about music or culture or something like that. So I usually drop two podcasts a week there. I'm also working on my first movie. Uh, and if anyone's interested, you can go to GoFundMe.com, type in Left at Wall. That's the name of the film, Left at Wall. And you can check out the trailer for that. We dropped a trailer. And if you're interested in seeing that movie get made, uh, please consider a contribution. That'd be really awesome. So you're directing it or and starring in it or just or written it? What did you I, do? I wrote it. I directed the trailer. I'm not going to self-direct the entire film i'm going to co-direct it but i'm but i'm going to get someone else to help with the direction i don't want to do all that myself but um but i'm going to star in it and um it's about a guy and his brother and it's loosely based on um it's loosely based on what happened with the gamestop stock in january if you remember that news story yeah uh so it's loosely based on that where a bunch of people online bought this stock to drive the price up and it ticked off a bunch of hedge fungers hedge funders so it's an explainer film kind of about wall street kind of calling it out a little bit uh or a lot however you want to look at it and um there's uh these two brothers one of them's a big wall street hedge fund guy the other is a struggling writer so the struggling writer cooks up this scheme to uh screw over his hedge fund brother and it's a comedy <laughs> it's lighthearted. I, I play the writer brother my hedge fund brother is played by uh, Gareth Reynolds, who's on the Dollop podcast. For anyone who follows podcasts, Gareth is uh, very, very funny. I had a great time making the trailer with him. And, uh, and yeah, I've, I've just, uh, you know, dropped the trailer, raising funds, hope to break ground on the actual film soon. Well, now that you brought up broadband, and before we go, I wanted to ask you about this. Why, when I go to, like, quite often poorer countries, mm -hmm. their internet is so much faster than ours in America. What's what is that a scam? Are they just got yes. us by the balls? Is that what Yes. So the way <laughs> our laws work here in the United States is and, and this happened back in the day and, and you know to be fair, this was back when no one really knew what the internet was going to be. Basically, they organized more or less a duopoly between these big cable companies. And you kind of see that. I mean, a lot of places, it's it's AT&T land or it's Comcast country. Yeah. Spectrum, Time Spectrum, Warner, whatever. You know, of course, there's some overlap here and there. It's not like totally in your face obvious, but it's there. And what these cable companies do is they just base everything off of profit margins. You know, that's what they do. So if upgrading infrastructure would cut into their bottom line, they're not going to do it, especially if the other companies aren't doing it. So, you know, they're offering the same thing. Who cares? Um, if areas seem like there's not enough people there to be worth their time they just don't bother going there 
That's why we, we still have, you know, digital drought, so to speak, in the United States. There's no reason for it. We have the ability to have that infrastructure. It's just these cable companies choose not to. And in a lot of places, there's existing laws where if a city wants to build their own infrastructure, there's a lot of red tape prohibiting them from doing that. And you're also going to face a lot of pushback from the AT&Ts and Comcast of the world. Now, the interesting thing is cities who build their own Internet, nah, literally 100% of the time, they offer better Internet at a better price. If anyone wants to look more into this, uh, Google Chattanooga, Tennessee broadband. Just Google it. See what pops up. They have some of the best Internet in the world there, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it's all because they just invested in their grid back in the day. So it's a feasible thing to do. It's not some impossible Rubik's Cube we just have a system set up where, um, you know, it's just not accessible to people. And in some of these countries, even these poorer countries, they don't have it that's set up that way. It's either, you know, just kind of like one company that that's just sort of overseeing it or the city's running it. So you get really high quality broadband and, and our broadband ranking is pretty low compared to many parts of the world. And, and that's a big reason why is like these new satellites are going up. Isn't this what like, Elon Musk or something is trying where he's going to have his own satellite and we'll get Wi-Fi everywhere in the world and you can bypass everything. What's what's Maybe, the future looking I, like? I can't speak to that. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what Elon Musk himself in particular is up to. But but yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of ways around it. I mean, I mean, and, and there's also, you know, stuff people are doing with fiber and, and things like that. And, and it's becoming more and more um, attainable. I mean, there was... There was this collective of farmers in the rural, uh, somewhere in England. They were just in rural England, and they weren't happy with the internet that was offered to them. So they literally took their tractors and laid fiber down, (laughs) and they built this amazing fiber network. They have better internet now than you and I do. They just laid fiber themselves and said, screw you guys, we're doing our own thing. Um, So... You know, when you bypass those restrictions, especially here in the United States, you can do amazing things. I mean, there's places in the United States where it's like a town of 7000 people and they have better broadband than Los Angeles does because they just decided, hey, Comcast, we're going to pass. We're going to do our own thing. And Comcast would fight it a little bit, but eventually they'd be like, well, screw it. It's just 7000 people. We can let this go. So they build their own Internet. I mean, the way I like to describe it to people, I'm like, look. When your internet is being maintained by your city, whether you're the poorest resident, the richest resident, the mayor, or anything in between, we all want fast-loading porn. So you're going to get decent <laughs> internet. Right. And this is the way, this is the way Italy's going to come back. Just yeah, make it like I mean, Italy's investing in that. And, and it's yeah. the cities. I mean, you can, I mean, that's another thing. You can find this online. Just just Google like smart working cities Italy. There's two in particular. One is uh, called Santa Fiora. It's in the Tuscan region. Another one starts with an R, and it, it's it's outside of Rome. Obviously, it's not Rome, but but it but it's a smaller village outside of Rome. And yeah, they just invested in really good broadband. And in some of these, I mean, one of the cities only has twenty five hundred people. You know, yeah. the, the mayor has a random Gmail account. They don't even have you know, <laughs> like they just got an official city website because they're trying to get people in. But, you know, that they were they had the foresight to say, let's invest in really amazing broadband to get people to relocate here and and live here and work here and start families here. I like the idea of like, come invest in our amazing broadband. Write me at CompuServe (laughs) at AOL. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, they, yeah, that's great. Well, 
what do you think all this travel that you've done, and you've seen a lot, you know, you've been around, whether domestically or abroad, what, what has it taught you as a person and how has it changed you as a person? Well, it's definitely informed my worldview an awful lot. I mean, you know, I, um, you know, I, I mean, I am very much uh, politically uh, an outcast in the United States, um, very much so. I'm, I'm not really in the, um, you know, the the kind of Republican Democrat spectrum. I'm, I'm way to the left of all that, and uh, I, a lot of it is because when I was younger and and I went overseas I kind of I, I looked at the way my family lived and I was like why do we live this way in the United <laughs> States why do we I mean I, I feel like I'm a little bit and and like you know folks like you and I people who are like creatives like we choose this and and we you know have a certain love for what we do but but the idea of like people here work so much and you kind of wonder for what, and, and it's a system that really, like, if you want to go to college, you're going to be in debt for years and years and years, and then you're going to get this low paying job. And, and it's just, and this is through 40 years of, of, of horrible policy that, that it's gotten to this point. And, and we've seen, you know, the quality of life diminish and diminish in both of our lifetimes. And then in other places, and I'm not saying anywhere's perfect. Everywhere's got their problems, of course, but they don't have those types of barriers we have they don't have you know if you want to be a doctor and you're and you live in germany you're going to be able to go to med school and you're not going to have you know crippling amounts of debt if you want to you know go further your education you're going to be able to do that without crippling amounts of debt you're going to be able to you know have a decent amount of vacation time each year when when you have a child you're going to be able to get time off to spend with that child you know, uh, you're not going to ever have to worry about medical bills the way we do here. All these things that they have over there. And it's not like they crack some Rubik's cube. I mean, these are basic policies that the rest of the industrialized world has figured out (laughs) that we haven't figured out here in the United States. And it's by design. And, you know, so that's, that's really informed the way I look at the world. I mean, the first time I went overseas and I, and I went to France and I went to Italy and this of course was when the Iraq war was really in full swing too. And you really saw how the rest of the world viewed what we were doing and you know, the, the, the actor we are on the world stage and we're not a good one. Uh, you know, it, it really does change your perspective uh, about a lot of things. You know, we're going to keep me informed on on this expat thing you're trying if you get any new news on, on uh, visas or, you know, benefits. I mean, as a guy who, you know, does most of his stuff online now, it's really something for you to look at. It's really, would your uh, wife, is she, she down for it all? Or is she like, kind of like a real job person here? She is coming around to it. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, the thing is, is like, we do, we do love where we live and we do love our lives here a lot but there's something to be said for that and there's something to be said for that but she does in her job because she works in like uh the nonprofit arts world and stuff like that which is uh very fun work very rewarding work but it's also very very demanding especially in a place like los angeles where it is incredibly competitive so she you know it's one of those things she's like i love what i do but i wouldn't mind a better work-life balance 
And, you know, maybe in another place, we could kind of get that a little bit better than we could get it here. Um, so that that's on her mind. And, and you know, like as her spouse, I'm, I'm kind of like, well, let's build that. Let's figure that out. And if it means, you know, we end up leaving Southern California at some point, so be it. Maybe it won't. Maybe we'll stay here. But, you know, at the very least, as far as like the visa things go, you know, I think about how, hey, I've had a second passport. That's like all these countries in the world I would never need to worry about a work visa for. So, you know, I may never live somewhere. I mean, I don't know. I might stay in Southern California the rest of my life. I really don't know. But even if I do, the idea of just having a better international uh, presence and relationship. I mean, I attended a panel via Zoom uh, on Sunday and this guy who was he was actually talking about NFTs, but he was he was also a a personal friend of Elon Musk, or at least he said he was. <laughs> uh, and I'm not a fan of Elon Musk, but I'm just saying this guy is, um, you know, pretty well connected just in the world. And he said he's like, if you're not thinking globally, get ready to be left behind. And I I believe that to be true. Uh, Los Angeles is a wonderful place, but it is not the alpha and the omega in on the globe. You know, the, there's a big globe out there. Yeah, that's great, man. Thanks for doing this. Once again, your handle on Instagram and Twitter? Ron Placone. I'm just Ron and it's just oh, that's easy. Call, L-A-C-O-N-E. I'm just Ron Placone on everything. That's the that's the advantage of having a uh, a kind of obscure last name. There's only 12 Placones in the world. I'm related <laughs> to all of them. So, uh, so, you know, getting Ron Placone was not that hard. And they're correcting you as well. Placone. It's Placone. Placone. Good. All right. Ron Placone, everybody. Thanks, Ron. (laughs) 